Maybe you can relate to this. I like wine, I love cocktails, and I also like things that are versatile and do double, even triple duty. All of those things were combined for me a few years ago when I met Michael Hassler at his winery in Colorado. I'm Courtney Drake McDonough, the host of the Real Food Traveler podcast and publisher of the Real Food Traveler Culinary Travel Digital Magazine. My guests today are Michael Hassler and his wife, Carolee Corey, who are the co-owners of Decadent Saint Winery in Colorado. They have such a great story and great products, which I have enjoyed many a time, that I asked them if they'd be my guests on the podcast today. So thank you both for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you, Courtney. We appreciate being here. I, I wish we were sitting in person together, enjoying enjoying uh, some of your drinks around a table, but I appreciate you joining by phone today. Let's start by telling our listeners what Decadent Saint Winery is all about. Uh, so we make uh, innovative product for the marketplace, uh, especially for the wine marketplace. We make wine-based cocktail liqueurs, which are extremely versatile and make a wide range of cocktails. You could almost call them a concentrate or a liqueur, but they're extremely versatile, making different cocktails from sangria to margaritas, Moscow mules, whiskey sours, etc. In essence, what each bottle does, it allows you to become your own home mixologist. So uh, you can take any one bottle and really mix it with so many different things which you would have readily available in, in your home kitchen to make widely different cocktails and they're just so super delicious because what we've done is we've created these liqueurs which are real fruit there are no artificial flavorings no natural flavorings no colorings they're not filtered nor are they pasteurized which don't be afraid it just means that the high alcohol their 20 percent alcohol uh, preserves the fruit and so you get this real fresh hit of fruit flavor captured in a bottle, which gives any cocktail a wonderful lift of passion fruit. These are the four flavors, passion fruit, raspberry, spiced black currant, or spiced dark chocolate. So if you can imagine any four of those flavors making a hit to your champagne, to your um, to your beer, to your cider, to your wine, of course, to your vodka, tequila, uh, whiskey, you know, there are so many ways of using these with different co-ingredients to make a wonderful cocktail. And so the invention is something which we see, we haven't seen anything like it on the marketplace. So we really are very, very excited by this, as we know from our own experience of making cocktails ourselves and working with people who or meeting people who are making cocktails, how they have so much fun, so much fun uh, with these at home. And fun, of course, involves enjoying something you like. <laughs> and so it just really amazing uh, home creations, very, very simple home creations. And so, and so like I said, I, we, I have not seen anything in the marketplace which compares to what we make. Certainly no one is capturing fresh fruit flavors like we capture in the bottle and making it available for a wonderful cocktail. And they are so delicious. They're, I, I absolutely love them, and I have a lot of fun using them and coming up with the different ways to use them. Um, one of the things, besides your obvious passion for what you do, which came through to me when I the first time I met you a few years ago, was the story behind it all. So would you share that with everyone, please? Yeah, well, look, 
I am a winemaker by profession, so I studied wine science when I was when I was a kid. I actually was reading Hugh Johnson's World Book of World Atlas of Wine when I was 14 years old. I'm reading it cover to cover many times, and so I was totally inspired by winemaking. And so I followed that on to uh, to college, and I got a Bachelor of Applied Science in wine science. And so I've been making wine more or less on and off my whole life. But then it, when it comes to creativity, I really enjoy playing with things and playing with flavors and inventing things. And so the decadent saints came out of Actually, I uh, in New Zealand when I where I was living, I had a luxury ski lodge, and I used to make mulled wine for my guests. And so I would always make different versions of the mulled wine and make spice it up or spice it down or add other different flavors. But the most popular mulled wine I made for 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 the guests was this chocolate spiced mulled wine, and that was just so popular, and people loved it so much that when I met Carolee here in in America ten years ago. I said to her that that is what I would love to bring to market is this chocolate spiced mulled wine. In the making of that, I knew I couldn't keep the the quality of flavor by presenting it as a as a one x cocktail. And what I mean by that is I couldn't present it as a ten percent alcohol drink ready to serve because I it would have to be filtered or pasteurized or otherwise treated to to make it stable in the bottle. So. The formulation started by knowing I had to bring it up to 20% alcohol to make it uh, to make it stable. So I made this spice dark chocolate mulled wine, which was called right at the beginning. That was the product, spice dark chocolate mulled wine, which was on the label, and it was a hit. Well, we released it straight after harvest in 2013. We started the winery in 2013, and we made a lot of great wines, uh, Cabernet, Merlot, Syrah, Petit Syrah, uh, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, and really was a wonderful harvest. But then straight after harvest, I went into creating this designer product, which I had no idea would succeed or not, but got that created and had it ready for Christmas time straight after harvest in 2013. And so that fortified concentrated chocolate product where you could just add boiling water to to make a wonderful mulled wine became the beginning of all the whole decadent saint range because we soon found out that that one product could be used to, in so many different cocktails to make a chocolate martini to make a, a, a moscow mule to make a mudslide to make a colorado bulldog and then all these other cocktails are coming out of this one concentrated deep dark chocolate liqueur and so we thought, wow, that's amazing. And so I asked Carolee, what, what should my next product be? She said, oh, make a sangria. And so I, I went to an, I, and I quickly put something together and came up with this recipe for a sangria. And that's where we started making these concentrated wine-based products, which we called sangrias. But similarly to the chocolate, we discovered how versatile they were. And just as a pure flavor, for example, the pure passion fruit, which we make, yes, it makes a wonderful sangria. Just add water, you know, you have three parts water, you make this absolutely delicious sangria, instant sangria. But use the same passion fruit with tequila, and it's an incredible margarita. Add it to whiskey, you make a whiskey sour. Champagne is wonderful as a champagne cocktail. So we discovered that making these, in quotes, sangrias, concentrated sangrias, it wasn't actually a true name for them once we discovered the utility of them. It, I mean, yes, we could continue calling it a sangria, but if it, we're not describing, it's only a, a fraction of the repertoire of these products 
And the repertoire is just huge for cocktails. And so we switched from that whole direction in marketing and design into describing ourselves as cocktail liqueurs or cocktail mixers or the ultimate mixers, which is what they are. They're the ultimate expression of a cocktail mixer. So, yeah. And so that's how it progressed. I'm, I'm, I'm missing a lot of big gaps there, you know, in, in the history of the winery and so forth. But, I mean, in essence, my passion is, for, is combining flavors as a winemaker, that my profession is a winemaker. And I took my all my passion and, and, and understanding of how to combine flavors into making these designer liqueurs. And, and that's what we've ended up with, the ultimate mixers. I call them liqueurs, but they're, our brand name is the ultimate mixers. And they just have been stunning people uh, with what they taste like and what they can do. And if I can, if I can inject a little fun story that Michael can actually tell you, you know, when you meet people and they know their life's passion from a young age, which is so different than I feel like maybe the majority of people search for it through their lifetime. And maybe they find it in their you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, or maybe they keep searching for what it is that they can contribute and love to contribute. And so, Michael, I just want to take you back to when you were, I think, 14 and what you were doing at your parents' house, because I think people really relate to when someone finds their passion and then continues with it through their lifetime. Mm. And that was, I'm going to say mulberry. Was it the mulberry? Yeah, we had a huge mulberry bush in the backyard. And so, yeah, I made it. Once I was reading Hugh Johnson's book, I, of course, had to start making wine. And so my first wine was an orange wine, which was awful. Um, <laughs> and then, I don't know, I, it was a recipe in uh, C.J.J. Berry's home winemaking. He's a rotund Englishman with horn-rimmed glasses who, who had, a, had a winemaking book, which I studied fastidiously, made a lot of the recipes. But anyway, I made mulberry wine, 10 gallons of mulberry wine under the house. Yeah, and then made a lot of other wines while I was at high school. So, yeah, I was <laughs> making wine when I was 14, 15 years old. And selling it to your friends and giving it to them or something? Well, no, then I sold it to my, the parents of my friends. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that was one part of your story that I loved, but I also loved how you met. Will you tell that? Oh, you can t say that. <laughs> well, well yeah. okay, so yeah, so I, I'd been a, a single mom for, oh my goodness, about four years, and I was taking my first adult trip with another girlfriend, and we were getting away for 10 days, and we were taking a cruise to Alaska, and my friend and I are both, you know, world travelers, and had realized we had never been to Alaska, and we'd never been on a cruise, and one of our teachers was going to be teaching during the cruise, so it kind of hit all wonderful spots for a first adult vacation after entering motherhood, and Michael was just celebrating your 50th. Yeah, I was Yeah, I was in New Zealand. I just turned 50, and I had a crisis, because I'm thinking, well, I mean, my wife, my first wife, had died three years earlier, and we were 17 years together, and I was, I was still very much um you know coming to terms with that and 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 just really struggling actually because here i was in a business which i built in new zealand which was wanaka lake house which is a wonderful luxury guest lodge in lake wanaka in new zealand but eva and i had built it together and she passed literally once the house was finished and so it was a it was really a a really difficult time to reinvent myself in the same house where she died. For me, it was just, it, I was struggling to handle that. 
And so I turned 50 and I was thinking, what am I doing? Where am I going? Why? What am I doing here? Even though, I mean, someone, one of my friends said, called it my golden cage. You know, it was a wonderful place to live, a beautiful house. And yet I was in this cage of, of, um, of association, of memory. And I heard someone said to me once, a Chinese proverb, man build house, wife die. And it sounds funny, but it's like, I get it. It's like there's so much stress in house building. That wasn't what caused her death, but it was still, it was just an incredibly intense time of my life and building this house, which took three years to build, three and a half years to build, and then with ever passing. So, so I thought, what the hell am I going to do for my birthday? And I started listening to this. This is a spiritual teacher. I was, you know, I've always been into spirituality in my life with Buddhist teachers and different teachers. And I listened to this teacher and thought, wow, this is inspiring. This was giving me, you know, something more. So she was having a, a cruise to Alaska right about the time of my birthday. And I thought, I'm going to go on this cruise. I decided, wow, I'm just going to. I'm going to fly over to Seattle and jump on this cruise. And so it was like, it seemed sort of outrageous at the time because I was so in depth with what I could do with the business, but I thought, stuff it, I'm just going to do it. And announced that at my 50th birthday party and I told everyone how I'm going to go on this cruise and I'm going to be bunking with Bill because the only cabin I could find on this cruise was, was a bloke I had no idea about, but he, Bill was going to be bunking with me. I talked to him and I thought, Oh, well, what the hell? I'll, I'll go with Bill. And so had a, a mate on the cruise. And, yeah, so flew into Seattle, got on the boat, met Bill. The next morning we sat down next to, right next to Carolee and her friend Hillary. And then that was it. It was just, it was an immediate attraction and immediate enjoyment and we spent the rest of the time of the cruise together. Bill paired up with Hillary, and I paired up with Carolee. And so it was, it, it, it was, was amazing. It was a magical, it was a magical experience, magical trip. And I'm really not a cruise type person generally, I would say. I, I don't want to say what that means. It just, I just would never see myself on a cruise. But here I was having an incredible time, yeah. just enjoying. It's, it's incredible being, not having anything to do except just explore, yeah. you know, and to have that time and especially, of course, the new relationship. And so it was just wonderful. So anyway, that's how we met. Well, I, I, I have to ask, well, and it's such a great story. I love that story. Did Bill and Hillary end up married? <laughs> no, we, we were just on the phone with Bill the other day. It happens that Bill is actually from Grand Junction, Colorado. So it could have been anyone in the world. I mean, these are global, you know, yeah cruises yeah. and uh, our teacher has a global student body and so it was amazing and so we get to see bill and we talk to him often of course hillary is here and she's happily married but a wonderful friendship between the two of them mm. and, and between between all of us you know you, you just can't even you couldn't make it up you couldn't repeat it it was just a lovely <laughs> time that i'm very thankful for yeah because it started a whole nother chapter for my life and and for my yeah. house you know yeah 
Well, and I mean, besides that, I mean, besides the pure serendipity of it, I wanted you to tell that story because this is real food traveler, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, for, for so all of our listeners and readers are all about travel and to think that, you know, wonderful things can happen when you travel. You know, that's a perfect example of that. So thank you for sharing your wonderful story. Back to the mixers. Um, Michael, you explained that the mixers can go with so many different things. Why is that? I mean, why do you think that is that they can go as well with something as bold as tequila, as mild as gin or vodka or water and, and beer? I've never heard you mention beer before, but I'm just wondering, what is it about the mixers that makes them so adaptable to such a variety of add-ons? The first thing I'd like to say as a primer for that answer is that they stay fresh. Once they're open, they stay fresh for six months without refrigeration. That's my guarantee. And so you can open the bottle and you can be enjoying it slowly because they stay fresh in the bottle once open and be drinking them like that. But the reason why they're so adaptable is I guess they're basically a pure example of that particular flavor. So if I said to you, can you imagine a passion fruit champagne cocktail? What would you say? Yeah, I, I I wouldn't even know. I mean, I guess that, you know, it would taste really fresh, but it'd, it'd be a bit of an ordeal, you know, to do that. It's not like well, passion fruit's easily accessible. No, that's, well, that's where the beauty of that particular product is, is because there is no passion fruit per se, or and especially no passion fruit liqueur on the market. And there is no passion fruit liqueur which tastes fresh. And so this is a fresh passion fruit liqueur. Now, imagine that uh, with champagne. Imagine that with tequila. That's one of my favorite cocktails, a passion fruit margarita, passion fruit Moscow mule, stunning. So basically you make your own, your normal mule, and you add a dash of the passion fruit into that. It's an incredible combination. The whiskey sour, passion fruit whiskey sour, you wouldn't imagine that perhaps, but it's delicious. But getting back to the beginnings of the product, passion fruit sangria is obvious. You just add water, but add wine to them. And then you have a higher proof sangria uh so so what it does is it deepens the sangria it makes it higher in alcohol it gives it more complexity because of the wine added to it and it makes this wonderfully uh, rich decadent passion fruit sangria which honors almost any white wine you add to it and so it really is a, a wonderful way of making a more pure spanish style sangria which is higher in alcohol and highly fruited and for those travelers, because our customers are often world travelers, I always remind them that when you do the what we call the grand sangria on our cocktail menu, and that is what Michael's talking about, adding wine to our sangrias, I feel like it's that more Mediterranean style, deeper, uh, more complex sangria. And so people relate to that immediately. And as Michael often says, what, what is your quote about, you always tell customers, I love it, don't ever throw out any wine you open that you don't like because you can reinvent it with our Grand Sangria. Mm -hmm. yeah. So there's no waste. You open up a white wine or a red wine, you're like, oh, this isn't really working with me. You just throw in our passion fruit or our raspberry or a spiced black currant and you follow that Grand Sangria recipe. Yeah. So in other words, the wine can be very mediocre, if not awful and uh, you add a dash of our product to it and it turns it into something really drinkable if not absolutely delicious depending on the quality of the wine but it really does it's a wine i call it a wine recovery program so in other words don't ditch your wine or pretend you're going to use it in cooking just 
use your wine for what it's made for drinking and it, and by adding some of our product to it you really do make a stunning uh, cocktail out of it by just adding some wine to them but getting back to your question what is it that makes them so versatile so you've got I'm just allowing for your listeners to imagine those cocktails. You're adding passion fruit to whiskey, passion fruit to vodka. It's a vodka martini. Passion fruit to gin. It's a wonderful gin and tonic. Passion fruit to tonic. You have an instant cocktail by just adding our passion fruit liqueur to tonic water. So it's a low ABV, low alcohol product. But it's a wonderful passion tonic cocktail. And then similarly with the raspberry and the spice black currant, these are pure flavors which just go beautifully with those different wines or liqueurs or, or okay. spirits I talked about. So raspberry with whiskey, raspberry liqueur uh, with whiskey, with champagne, with vodka, with tequila, with ginger beer to make a Moscow mule. And the black currant is really another very unique flavor which combines with all of these different things as well. My favorite, Manhattan. And whiskey sour is that spice black currant makes a wonderful Manhattan. Yeah. That's our favorite cocktail with, with the with the range. We shouldn't really have a favorite, but we do. That's, <laughs> that's our favorite cocktail. With is spice black currant. Spice black yeah. currant Manhattan, and, and that's just uh, three one part of the black currant, two parts rye whiskey with bitters if you choose, and so on the rocks. That's um, easy. It's real simple, and so. This isn't complex. When you said before, you, you could imagine that. You said, well, it sounds immediately difficult because where would I find the passion fruit? So that's what we've done. We have made shelf-stable passion fruit, raspberry and black currant available to add instantly to make wonderful, uh, fresh-tasting cocktails. And the versatility of it, you know, we never realized that until we started experimenting and we got feedback from our customers on how they could use it. We, we had no idea at the beginning. I was a winemaker. I didn't, I wasn't so much of a cocktail person. I drink wine and beer generally. And now that I've been making these, I realize what they are and I've certainly changed changed my drinking habits so and it was a lot of our customers who were coming in and saying i don't just add water oh my goodness i do this i add this mm -hmm. i make these cocktails my margaritas are, are brand new with your mm -hmm. passion fruit or raspberry and our champagne cocktails so it was a lot of customer driven discovery yeah which is always fun you yeah. know we're like wow we're learning a lot from you mm -hmm. you know the customer yeah well, and Michael, I remember you telling me once about presenting the products to bartenders in, in bars and restaurants and how it meant for them that they didn't have to keep buying all of this fruit that then went bad because exactly. the real thing was there in the bottle, you know, and that it was faster turnaround for them to be able to make a drink quickly. And so I remember picturing that and kind of translating that to home use. And, you know, you're absolutely right. It just makes it so much easier. And case in point, my husband loves sangria, loves to make it. And he would go through all the steps, all the, the slicing and the marinating and everything of all the fruits in advance of us having people over. And then I found out about your products and I said, look, this time, let's just try this. All we have to do is add water. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to have the same complex flavor as me chopping up all these fruits. And it did. And he loved it. And he he lived in Spain a while. And so, you know, he knows sangria. And he said, well, this changes everything. <laughs> you know, so it does, you know, for somebody like me who loves to make different cocktails, but I, I don't really have the wherewithal to have all the stuff, you know, or all yeah. the time, it it just makes it a lot easier to have a lot more fun playing mixologist in my home. 
So yeah. that's that's what I really love about them, in addition to the flavors. Now, you, you talked about this a little bit before, but I want to clarify. How do you store, once you've opened a bottle, how do you store the mixers? You, you store it in your liquor cabinet, uh, unrefrigerated. So the reason that happens, and I'd love to address some of the other things you said, but the reason that works that way is because there's a number of things acting in tandem here to keep them fresh. So firstly, the product is thick, so it's, it's got a high viscosity. So convection currents occur in wine and non-viscous liquids, so it's always transferring air from the top of the bottle into the rest of the bottle. It's always the air molecules are always moving around. With our product, they don't move around. And so the worst which can happen with our product is you get a sacrificial browning layer on top, which immediately goes when you pour the drink if it's been stored for quite a while. So that's number one. It's highly viscous. That's the physical dynamics of it. keeps it fresh. Number two, they've got the highest level of vitamin C, which is ascorbic acid, of any beverage in the U.S. market. And that's because of the natural fruits we add. It's not because we're adding the ascorbic acid. It's just the high level of uh, ascorbic acid we add from the fruits. And so there's a high level of vitamin C, which acts as a natural antioxidant. Now, it does act in parallel. We do put a nominal level of sulfur dioxide in, which all wines have. But when you mix them compared to any wine you would drink, you get 75% less sulfur in your glass because you're diluting it by three or four times. So you end up with less sulfur than most organic wines because you may think that wine is organic, but it still has an allowable level of sulfur dioxide in it, which meets the organic criteria, but it still has sulfur dioxide. So our products are have less sulfur than organic wines. And the last thing is the high alcohol, of course, that keeps it fresh. So for all of those reasons, the uh, the high alcohol, the viscosity, the high vitamin C, the nominal use of sulfur dioxide, that all of those reasons keeps it fresh for six months without refrigeration in your liquor cabinet, which is remarkable for a fresh product. Now, if it lasted longer than six months, I'm not saying that's ever happened in my household, but could you refrigerate it or would you not want to? I mean, you can keep them in the fridge, but generally, once you taste it and you're using it, it's not going to last. Like you said, I mean, my challenge is to start making cocktails and see how long it lasts. (laughs) So um, it will last slightly longer in the fridge, but uh, it's certainly not necessary to refrigerate it uh, because normally that bottle is gone easily within the six months. And the other thing I want to say about it, you're talking about your husband making sangria at home. Think about all the effort involved, the time. Of course, we all involve our own creation. So I'm not, you know, absolutely people still make your own products and sangria and so forth. But the time involved, but our product is incredibly economical because you make up to a gallon of sangria or other cocktails out of each bottle. So if you imagine you're pouring a small amount into a glass, you're adding water onto that, you've got a glass of sangria. You've got enough left in the bottle for almost another gallon of sangria with the same dilution ratio. So incredibly economical. And economy is doubled because it lasts so long fresh. So you have no wastage with it. And so you have this versatile product with incredibly economic, which lasts a long time, which is very, very versatile. So that's sort of all the things wrapped up in a nutshell. And honestly, when people realize what they get for the price for $20, people realize how valuable it is for them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's $25 online, sorry. Okay. You know, I know you've got the different flavors. Do you feel like 
or, or was your intention that some of the flavors were more wintry versus summery, or do you mean for them to all be as suitable, you know, in the summer as in cold weather? Well, firstly, I'd like to say they are all four-season products. They are definitely four-season products because there's so many ways of using each one because their repertoire is so large. But two of the products in particular fell into that category of more of a winter design. You could say the Spice Black Currant and the Spice Dark Chocolate. The Spice Dark Chocolate, of course, it was invented as a mulled wine. That's winter. The Spice Black Currant, again, uh, was a sangria at first, but then we quickly realized what a beautiful glühwein it makes, hot mulled wine. So the Spice Black Currant in particular makes are really what people would call a classic mulled wine or glühwein or wassel or whatever people determined as as they would drink mulled wine. And all you have to do is boil the jug, add one part of the spice black currant liqueur and two parts boiling water in a mug, and you have an instant fresh hot mulled wine ready for you to drink. And that's the beauty of the um, of the concentrate of the liqueur. And unlike normal mulled wine, if you make it for yourself in the stovetop, which can be great, but it can be difficult too. Uh, they, they often sit on the stove for a long time and they get stewed. They lose their flavor because they've been overcooked. With ours, it's a fresh, hot blue vine every time. You make it at incredible speed, just add boiling water, and you have that mulled wine ready to serve. Um, so, yes, back to your question. The black currant is definitely people associated with winter and fall because it's got the cinnamon, allspice, the sort of slightly pumpkin-type characters, but that's really black currant, citrus, cinnamon, allspice. There are honey notes in there. There, are, there is sort of slightly peppery character to it, but very, very delicious, warming fruit characters, which are, give any cocktail that's added to a winter-type character, which people associate with winter. You make the winter sangria with the black currant. Uh, you add wine to that. That's one of my. That's probably my favourite sangria out of the lot. Is the spice black currant with red wine. It's great all year round, but it's, of course it's a winter sangria because you get those spice notes in it. And I've heard customers, they add whiskey to that as well and make a hot toddy. Absolutely. They added brandy to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So you can yeah. make all kinds of hot cocktails with yeah. that spice black currant. Yeah. It's, I mean, you add, if you make the normal glue vine, you add boiling water, add a shot of whiskey or brandy yeah. into that. It's incredible. So, yeah. Actually, to be honest with you, I never knew where I was going with these products. <laughs> and, so, I, I, <laughs> and so it actually it surprised me. It was really an evolution and a discovery because I, I never knew. I had no design to set out and make these products with such versatility and with such features which make them economical and fresh and so forth. And so I'm just happy that we've got this product available and that we, we're the ones doing it. Yeah, it's just... And, and what I want to say for you about UC Barman, we talked about Barman, mm -hmm. really enjoying the product. We went down to New Orleans um, beginning of this year and in December and so forth, looking to see how we'd go in New Orleans to see. And I really think New Orleans is one of the food, of course, and cocktail capitals of America. They have Tales of the Cocktail down there. You know, if, if you're familiar with that, it's a yearly event in July where they have a cocktail expo. And uh, But anyway, so I was in New Orleans and just going to different restaurants and bars and, and showing our products. That was when my eyes really opened up, you know, fully is that these guys were just going crazy over them. These barmen, these very, very experienced barmen. We had Lagasse, what's his name? That famous, most famous chef. Yeah. Best. It was his assistant, right? Um, 
Emerald Legacy. Oh, Emerald Legacy. Okay. Emerald Legacy restaurants. The wine buyer for Emerald Legacy came through. I had a private conversation with him, and he was blown away. Oh, and so, and, and he put in he put in an immediate order for pre-sales. And there's so many other bars and restaurants. Uh, I went to see them. We in in about two weeks we garnered about ten thousand dollars in pre-sales in restaurants and bars. And then we took those pre-sales to a local distributor and say, hey, we've got this ready for you. Mm. What do you want? Do you want to take us on? And of course they did. And so we now have a distributor in New Orleans. However, unfortunately, our first pallet of product landed on March the 15th or something. And that was when COVID hit and everything has been shut down. And so we've never had a chance to really release our product there. So, but that's the versatility for a bar, you know, which yes, a barman can, use and make wonderful cocktails uh in fact i'm flying to florida next week to see if do the same dog and pony again mm-hmm. um to, to make it work yeah you know a person at home can do the same thing simply and easily the barman can also make wonderful cocktails but for a person at home it's very simple and that's what the barman liked about it as well and also the economy of it as well for right. the bar. Well, and I love that you were getting great comments from people in restaurants and Emerald Lagasse, my gosh, that's <laughs> that's a, a great story. But like Carolee and I reconnected here in Colorado at a festival. Um, you know, when I, I said, I saw from across the parking lot, Decadent Saint, and I said, ah, Decadent Saint, I've got to go, go stock up. And, um, but, you know, there is this nice connection that you have with people. And part of it is because you're both so passionate about this. But like Caroline, I think it was you who said that people will say to you, this is how I've used it. And, and that you two have taken so many cues from the way your customers have used it, which tells you that they're loyal. You know, once once they become a customer like me, they're hooked and keep coming back and keep experimenting. So I think that's that's wonderful that you have that connection with your customers, whether they're you know a restaurant person or just a consumer at home. Well, I think that's the juice for me. You know, I mean, the juice is in the is in the cocktail, of course, but mm-hmm. really, it's the juice of the business is our customers. They're the ones who keep us excited and keep it fresh for us. I love when customers are coming up and they're so excited. They're like, you're here, especially this last year, because we had to cut our farmer's markets back to about a quarter of what we normally do. And so they're like, I was looking for you at our farmer's market, but I found you, you know, and, and they'd come up and, you know, they'd get their bottles and I'd say, well, wait a minute, what's your favorite cocktail? What are you guys making, you know, this summer? And they'd share with me, and I was sharing, like, this last summer, my go-to was a uh, passion fruit or raspberry margarita in the blender. Mm, mm. <laughs> and so, you know, we were just sharing what our what our favorites were. And just to learn from your customer base is awesome. Yeah. Now, not that I don't want to talk about the mixers anymore, and we will come back to them, but I found out when I was looking on your website that you have a new product, the mud. Oh. So will you tell us about that? <laughs> Oh, so the dark chocolate mud. Well, the deep dark dungeon of a of a spice dark chocolate batch. It's the sediment. I take the sediment. You could in fact call it the the waste product from the the dark chocolate liqueur we make, which is red wine, dark chocolate, decaf coffee, berries, and spices. What happens is that throws the sediment, and that sediment is just too good to waste because mm-hmm. it's tw- it's 20% alcohol. It's got all those flavors in it, but it's it's like the consistency of a mug. Um, and so you can't put it in a bottle. I've got tanks of quite a supply of that in the, in the winery 
waiting around for me to do something with it. And so I finally decided to create this product, which is the mud, by taking this thick lees product sediment and adding more cocoa to it, adding coconut cream, adding some more cocoa, coconut cream, and a little bit more spirit, and making it into this 8% alcohol dark chocolate dipping sauce. And so if you can imagine red wine, dark chocolate, decaf coffee, berries, spices, with a creamy taste and texture, and it's vegan, because uh, we don't use any dairy cream. So it's coconut cream, just a delicious thing to eat by the spoonful. Um, and <laughs> yeah. it's, so al- it's, it's alcoholic chocolate. It's a dipping sauce, and you can also let it go hard, and you can eat it you know, harder by putting it in the fridge. It's got a very even viscosity where put it at room temperature, it's generally fluid or molten. Put it in the fridge, it gets hard. If you want it softer, zap it in the microwave for a few seconds. Not very long, just a few seconds to get it soft enough to dip. And then you can be dipping your strawberries, fruit pieces, apples, pears, dip cheese into it, pour it over your ice cream, pour it over pancakes. It makes pies. Yeah. It makes a wonderful uh, hot cocoa, alcoholic cocoa, by pouring boiling water or boiling milk on top. But it's really as a shark. I mean, I, I mostly think of it as a charcuterie plate edition, where you're, you've got cheeses and apples and different things on a board, and you you add the chocolate sauce there, and even meats. You put um, uh, salami or, or prosciutto with a with a dash of the chocolate. It's an amazing flavour. So you add a very exotic flavour in addition to your charcuterie board with this dark chocolate mud. And on the female side of it, we all, all the females in my family love it on their desserts. So over ice cream, incredible cream puffs. I mean, over pie, cherry pie, strawberry pie, rhubarb pie, you drizzle it over top, over cheesecake. So, I mean, we've used it in our baking all the time. Well, riddle me this, because I make ganache, which I, I, you know, when it's still liquidy, I pour it over a chocolate cake. In fact, I'm going to be sharing the recipe for that coming up here. But um, then if I put it in the refrigerator, it gets firm, and I can scoop it out and roll it in cocoa or chopped nuts, and I make truffles. Right. If the mud, if it was refrigerated, would it stay firm enough that I could make truffles out of that? It, it, it would. If you, do you mean you, when you make it, though, your ganache, you put it back in the fridge, though, correct? Um, yeah, but it doesn't stay liquidy. It's like once it got firm, it stays firm. Oh, it's interesting. No, ours, ours, I think it's because of the alcohol in it. It will go back to liquid. But if you oh, can okay. do the same thing, you'll get the same sort of consistency, I think, like a ganache. Uh, but you could just keep those. You could definitely roll it in, in chopped nuts or in, I don't know, coconut and different things to make a cho- – you could definitely make alcoholic chocolates by, by doing that. And you just know, like, keep them refrigerated? Yeah, and refrigerated. Yeah, keep them oh. refrigerated. Yeah. Wow. This this opens up a whole new world to me. With this right. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and it's also, it's a great frosting. You know, yeah. you, you can let it let it go slightly uh, molten and then use it for frosting. Put it in the fridge and it's, it's a hard frosting. Now, on that note of on the food side of things, we have a, a dear friend who loves, again, loves to be cooking and doing all kinds of different recipes. And, and we have experimented as well. But she wants to put a cookbook together because she has all four of the decadent saints in her kitchen at all times to add to her cooking. Mm. So uh, we're talking fish with the decadent saint, passion fruit. Yeah. I mean, 
all she, she keeps coming up with all of these beautiful recipes so that'll be the next step is really you know we don't want to get people off how beautiful they are as cocktails but here's another door that's opening with yeah. all of these ways to use it in your kitchen for cooking that's mm-hmm. a whole other part of the versatility for sure like a passion fruit cream sauce on your on your fish wow. you know, it's really delicious and we do the dark chocolate so with our got, steak all the time we add dark chocolate oh. with the steak for sure as a glaze you know it's good that goes really best with venison or with uh, mm-hmm. more of a gamey foods but it, it's still good with any steak Lamb. you um Wow. Yeah, with the game of food, I usually deglaze the pan with the with the dark chocolate and let it flame for just a moment, and really let it you know just boil down for literally a minute or more on a hot pan, and then pour that over my steak mm-hmm. or over my ch- lamb chop or whatever I'm cooking. And it and it doesn't overpower the meat. No, it doesn't. It just is a wonderful uh, glaze for wow. the meat. We're we're talking about stronger meats, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And so it would overpower less flavored foods, uh, meats, I guess. You couldn't do that with chicken or any, you know. But the chicken make, with the passion fruit is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, we for Thanksgiving, we um, use the black currant to make a sauce as a turkey glaze. It's really amazing. Mm. With that cinnamon, cinnamon and allspice with black currants, it's, it's like cranberries, cranberries get their fame from their extreme sourness which mm-hmm. acts, acts as a balance for the fattiness of the food you're eating. It's the same thing with the black currants. They're similarly sour and uh, high in vitamin C, but that's but you use the same berry to make a sauce, so that's spiced black currant glaze for turkey. Really delicious. Well, and it makes yeah. me wonder about experimenting with a mole, you know, oh, you yes, do the chocolate yeah, one and adding yes, some chili. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Huh. People put in their chili and their mole, for yes, sure. We yeah. know that, yes. Well, I mean, I'd like to say the dark, the dark chocolate is like the, the most intense dark chocolate on the U.S. market because yeah. I've not tasted anything but so intense. It's like a chocolate bitters, but it's not really that bitter that you cannot drink it straight. Yeah. Well, that, that makes a wonderful white Russian and black Russian, and I don't think we mentioned that as cocktails. Yeah. A lot of people who love those, mm-hmm. um, they're fabulous, yeah. that dark chocolate. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I just want to say as a budget-conscious person that, you know, I've been tempted to experiment with certain liqueurs, but they're so expensive that if I messed it up, I've wasted, you know, a couple ounces at least. And, I mean, that's the nice thing about yours is that the price point is so affordable that you dare to experiment. And, well, I, I have yet to come up with a failure, but... Um, it's doable. You're not. You're not thinking. Oh, I just spent eighty dollars on that bottle, and yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So true. Yeah. And, so you don't, true. and you don't need much when you're experimenting. Right. You don't. You're not using the whole bottle. You know, you can yeah. do fish and drizzle yeah. it over your fish, and it's fantastic. Right. And, um, and then, then you've always got the fallback of the countless other things they can do, other drinks they could make. So, like, if you if you buy Galliano. You know, you've got a very restricted range where you can do with that. You know, you buy some other liqueur. You know, you can drink it straight, perhaps, but I see in so many people's liquor cabinets, they've got bottles and bottles of, of liquor, which is sort of like one-third full, one-third empty, and so forth. They're just sitting there waiting mm-hmm. for that one-odd cocktail. Right. And so with ours, there's no waiting because you can use them in just so many different thing, combinations you know someone gave me a pack of um, sour beer the other day now i do not like sour beers and i added some of the raspberry to it it's a wonderful combination just mm. gives that raspberry sweetness raspberry sour and just really turned it into something totally different 
So anyway, so that's just... That's fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, th this is one of my favorite questions to ask people because the answer is always so different. But when you were first coming out with the product and, you know, deciding I'm going to make this a business, how did you picture people using it? Like, what, you know, when you pictured people enjoying it, what was your vision? Well, well I mean, in the beginning, it was an evolving thing. As I said, it evolved from sangria, mulled wine, and so forth. We, it was that discovery process. I guess most recently, as I picture the product, I just see people treating this as something, as uh, an everyday enjoyment where you have something which, you know, the beauty about it, like if you do make a sangria, it's 5% alcohol. Or you can make it, I, I make a passion fruit raspberry with black currant, I make it a 3%, 2% alcohol, a long drink with, with seltzer water, and it tastes amazing. It's like having a, a hard seltzer which is actually tastes good. I mean, for me, those hard seltzers, they're all just made with flavoring and they have no flavor really. Whereas ours, it, it's just, you know, it's such a wonderful everyday drink. So I picture people had, treating our products irreverently, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, just, just having fun, with just having fun with them. Yeah. And just, you know, it, it, it's not, a, it's not a serious product, but it can be my, favorite like we said is the spice black currant manhattan another derivation of that is a is a chocolate manhattan where we use a, a dash of chocolate in that and so these are serious drinks where you'd pay 15 20 dollars at a in a high-end bar you know which it would grace those tables so the range of possibilities i'm just excited and what i guess the vision i see people having with this is just just a sharing and enjoying with their friends and taking it with them camping because it stays fresh, you know, taking it to the beach, taking it to relatives and sharing out it. And really one of the funnest visions I see for it is having fun with your friends, is sharing the new discovery. Because when you show Decadent Saint to, to someone, to your friends and new and so what it can do, that's a lot of fun to share a discovery. And that's what I see a lot of people having a lot of fun with, that they, it is something where you can genuinely show something new. I mean, there isn't anything much new in the, the liquor industry, you know. Well, and unlimited with the discovery within that bottle. Yeah. Because the yeah. group could say, I want to make a whiskey sour, I'm going to make a margarita, I'm going to have a sangria, all in one go. So, so I guess that would be the essence. What I see is that people, I, I, I hope this is a doorway for enjoyment and sharing with friends. I mean, I guess every booze maker would say that, but I, I just feel that with our product, you've got so much more possibility and, and the fun is so much more. I mean, you can share an IPA or you can share a lovely wine and that's wonderful, you know, and that's really wonderful to share a good wine, but sharing something with so many possibilities is should it at least hit somebody's spectrum of enjoyment. And so that's what I see the vision is almost like a universal gift people mm. to enjoy with each other. I mean, I will say this, though, that for the diabetic amongst you, you know, of course, you know, our, our product it has a sweetness to it. It's mostly from the fruit sugar. And so there is fruit sugar in there, of course. That's, it's a liqueur after all. So you have real fruit sugar in there, which makes the part of the flavor as well. Right. What's your vision for the company going forward? Boy, <laughs> our vision. Boy, COVID has been an interesting time. It's hit us, although our sales have grown a lot in the wholesale at, at liquor stores. It's been hard in other aspects for us, but as restaurants come open and we are able to get into restaurants, we really see ourselves becoming a known name 
in the liquor industry, in restaurants and bars, and of course, adoption by home consumers so that they understand that they've got this Pandora's box they're opening up with each bottle mm-hmm. and having fun with their friends. And that's my vision is I, I see this becoming actually a worldwide brand and product. It's very small right now, but I feel it's got all the mechanics are there, all the ingredients are there for that to be there, which would make me not wonder if I read it in a story that that's what would happen. <laughs> right. Well, and and we have a worldwide audience with Real Food Traveler, and I know you're not everywhere yet, but tell us how can people purchase your products? So, uh, so you can purchase it online at decadentsaint.com, and that's in seven states. So we're not available across America right now, but we are available in Colorado, Minnesota, Washington, D.C., Florida, California, Texas, and Alaska. <laughs> and we're working on New York. It's New, in the process. New York's almost there. Yeah. So when you say you're available in those states, you mean at... Online. Online. Oh, okay. okay. Only for online purchases. So this is direct direct to consumer. This is shipping. And, and, and it's just a little bit of a process because we have to go through, you know, a registration and so forth in each state. And there's different costs to that mm-hmm. and um, different lengths of the process. And different states have different rules around counties even. And then, of course, there's tax implications. We need to pay taxes and have that all set up. So we are working on it diligently. And we will be adding states you know, as we go here. And for sure, anyone who is interested in following our product and knowing when it comes to their state, best way is to follow us on Facebook or Instagram because we announce it the minute we have a new state. Okay. And yeah. if they live in in a state, because I was on your Instagram the other day and someone in Georgia said, please, please come here. If So if you live in one of those, not those seven states, is it worth them reaching out to you and saying, I'd really love to see you in, in my state? It's absolutely worth reaching out because we are expanding our horizons all the time and please reach out to us we'll see see whether we can key them in for when that may happen and it may if interest is significant we can be looking to get a distributor in that state as well so we have a distributor in louisiana and we're hoping to get a distributor soon in florida however as i said that louisiana situation has been well it's the covid situation has put a a damper on that release we see that as soon as it opens we'll be there yeah. yeah, making it happen for sure. Yeah. Um, yes. And you want to tell them a little bit about the sample pack? I, also online, you could, if you find $25 as a bit of a hit to try all the products per bottle, you can try our sample pack, which is the same price. You can get four bottles, all four flavors for $25. They're four-ounce bottles. You get 16 ounces of cocktail liqueurs, which make up to – they'll make up to 16 cocktails – and so it's really great value as well. And you get to try all four flavors, the passion fruit, the raspberry, the black currant, and the spiced dark chocolate. So we've got those little sample packs. I like to call them a mixology gift pack. So it's a wonderful mm-hmm. gift to give to someone as well because you give that to somebody with a smile on your face knowing that they got this wonderful surprise of possibility with this one pack. And so they can make, you know, a whole bunch of cocktails with the four flavors. And our cocktail menu is included in the sample pack. Yeah, we included a a cocktail menu inside. There's a whole range of cocktails, plus you get a a couple of stickers, uh, Holy Sid stickers. And that that was one of the reroutes or, you know, additions to our product profile because of 
the lack of being able to get out there to farmers markets and festivals this year. And we had thought about a sample pack for years, really, but it just motivated us to actually make it happen, which, which I'm happy for because people love to give it to friends so they can find out what their favorite flavors are and then order their bottle. So, well, and, and, and I have one and it has been so fun because there were some flavors I hadn't tried yet and I didn't even know about the cooking aspect. So that's going to open all sorts of avenues for me. But in fact, I'm looking at your menu sheet right now and I'm so glad you do that because yes, I love experimenting with things, but it is nice to have all these different ideas and the exact measurements so you can play around with that and then you know, then kind of go crazy coming up with what you want once you understand the balance between how much of the decadent saint mixer versus the additional alcohol or the seltzer or lime juice or whatever you're adding to it is. So that's a very helpful thing that you include. Yeah, you have about 40 recipes on this sheet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure for everyone who's been listening, you you all can understand why I fell in love with this product and was just so drawn to the story and, and the passion that Michael and Carolee have for what they do. And it, it certainly comes through in what you make. And it's not five o'clock here yet. I may <laughs> I may have to have a cocktail with lunch today <laughs> after all this. You certainly great. tempted me. Yeah. So thank you both so much. And we'll have additional information on the website, the direct link to your website. So be sure to go to realfoodtraveler.com and the article will be there. And people can get a hold of you there as well as I'll have a direct link to your Facebook and Instagram pages there just to make things easier. And as always, I invite our listeners to subscribe to the Real Food Traveler podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and various other listening services. So, Michael and Carolee, thank you so much for being my guests today and for sharing your story and your delicious mixers. And mud is going to change my life again. (laughs) Can't wait to try that. So, thanks so much for letting us know about Decadent Saint. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you, Courtney. That was wonderful. Really fun. Great to speak with you. We can't wait to make cocktails with you and things open up a little more. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. All of us. (laughs) All right. Take care.